Cue fake podcast music. Da 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 da. What are you laughing at now? You <laughs> said like podcast okay. music or something. Are you, are you, did you? Are you poppy today? Are you poppy now? Are you? Are you gonna cut me because I'm less? No, did it word? No, just caught me off guard. No. Da da da. Murder, mysteries, and other random mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. <laughs> One day we might get our shit together. <laughs> what are you talking about today? Okay. In honor of Unsolved Mysteries, which is coming back to TV. It's going to be like 12 episodes on Netflix. Like real new episodes. Yes. And they said they're going to do like true crime like um, Unsolved did back in the past, and that they're going to also do, like, remember how they did, like, aliens and sea monsters and stuff? Who's the... I think the guy that's, you know, producing, whatever, directing, I'm not sure what, who does what, <laughs> is the same guy who did Stranger Things. So, he's someone who likes that kind of stuff. Yeah, but is he the... Who's that person that... Oh, who's the presenter? Who's the I don't presenter? know. I don't know, because... Is that they... what they're called? Yeah, the original guy's dead. I just drew a blank on his name. <laughs> Fuck. I have no idea. Don't worry. We'll look it up later. <laughs> it's killing. Oh, Robert Stack is his name. Robert Stack that is the original. Yep. And then no, Dennis. It's not. Yeah. It's the guy that killed his son got murdered. Oh, John no. Wall. You're, you're thinking about unsolved. You're talking about. Who uh, are America's you talking about? Unsolved Mysteries. I'm talking about Unsolved Mysteries. You're talking about America's Most Wanted. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. America's Most Wanted was hosted by John Walsh. His son Adam died. Was killed. Remember he was. Oh, my God. <laughs> Go back. No. No. Yeah. And. Yeah. And this is great. This is how I know nobody listens to me on these podcasts. Yeah. Because I talked about that museum that John Walsh started. Yeah. And I talked about it being Unsolved Mysteries. Well, I thought he just produced it. I listened to it. I did the show notes. <laughs> I thought he, that was the show. Oh, no. I thought you were oh, he was not... a producer. Oh, it's America's Most Wanted. Yeah, he was on America's Most Wanted. I'm talking about Unsolved Mysteries. I've seen Unsolved Mysteries, but I thought it was John Walsh. <laughs> nope. Okay, I'm not watching it. It's ruined. No, you're going to watch it now. That's your punishment. <laughs> what are you going to do today? Taylor, Michigan is back on my radar. Dang, you're out, you, do you have it out for Taylor? Are yeah, you, I guess. A lot of people get murdered there. You know, we did the podcast on the Burlington Coat Factory employee who shot and killed her co-worker. Yeah. And now, just the other day, there was a stabbing at the Texas Roadhouse in Taylor, Michigan. Another but, co-worker against co-worker? Yeah. And then, as I was reading about that, because it's really short, uh-huh. you don't even know who did it yet. Wow. Um, they haven't released their name. I ran across another one in Taylor, Michigan. Where it was co-worker versus co-worker? It was a previous co-worker against co-worker. Multiple, you know, more than one murder. Chick, car chase. Okay, so step Shoot out with the police, like, whole thing. And I'm like, wow, I'm staying away from Taylor. Yeah, step lightly if you're going to work in Taylor, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go first? No, you can go first. Okay, so there was an, un- an episode of Unsolved Mysteries that aired after the murder was solved. And it involves a psychic and an unlikely killer. And I'm going to tell you about it. So, John and Nancy Bosco were murdered in their home in Ferndale, Montana on August 12, 1993. Ferndale is a small community that's located um, just outside of Big Fork, 
They say, I don't know. What is? I all the ones kept saying it's just outside of Big Fork. Like, we know where Big Fork is. Yeah. I've never heard of Big Fork. Yeah. But thank God bless them for trying. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, John, 41, and his wife, Nancy, 32, had bought their home in the community less than a year earlier, having lived in Boulder, Colorado previously. It was a neighbor who realized something was wrong at the Bosco house when she noticed that all their windows were open and their doors were locked. And I wrote, I thought she must be a nosy neighbor. Because is it weird to have all your windows open in August? It's August. It's not like it's December and you're like, that's weird. They have all their windows open and it's negative 17 outside or whatever. Maybe it's cold in Montana. Yeah, I don't think so. And she told the cops that the doors were locked, which means she had to turn the knobs on all the outer doors. So that's a lot of effort. Yeah, that's creepy. To be open, the neighbor's not guilty. She's just, I think, overly curious. (laughs) (laughs) So the neighbor said that she knew John, the husband, was scheduled to be in court for a felony charge sometime in August. Well, see, she knew a lot. Well, I wrote, so armed with an unhealthy dose of curiosity and probably a permanent case of tattletale, she called the police. <laughs> <laughs> so dang nosy. Like, whatever happened to good fences make good neighbors. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, it, but thankfully she did, because it was the police who found the couple dead in their bed. John Bosco had been shot in the head. His wife, Nancy, had been shot once in the head and once in her back. They were both nude, and Nancy had a pillow set over her face. A few items had been missing from the home, but robbery was not believed to be the motive behind the murders. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. A pistol was found to be missing from the home, but it was not the one used in the commission of the crime. So they're like, yeah, a gun's missing, but it's not the one that shot them. The telephone line had been cut to the house, and the power had been shut off. Now, mind you, no cell phones. It's 1993. And there were leads, a few leads in the case. Besides the officers finding a point of entry in the home through a window in the basement um, bathroom, it went cold, and for two months there wasn't any new information for the detectives to use. Hmm. Then Daniel Brinkley stepped in. This is what you're going to hate. Okay. Because I know you don't like psychics. Yeah. I do. So John Bosco's parents were looking for information regarding the death of their son. Daniel claimed to have psychic abilities after being struck by lightning while talking on the phone in 1975. And I was talking to a younger person. I won't say the name. I don't want to embarrass. But I was talking about they got hit, you know, by lightning. What happens is it travels through the phone cord. And they just looked at me like, phone cord? (laughs) (laughs) Daniel was brought to the hospital after the lightning struck where he was declared dead. And after 28 minutes with no pulse... Daniel recalls having to leave the spirit realm and and return to the living. Afterwards, he suffered from several physical ailments as well as visions from the future. So Daniel made the following predictions about the Bosco's killer. He said the killer was a young man with a slight build. He was an acquaintance of the Bosco's. The killer was familiar with the layout of the house. The killer was also a student who went to school on the west side of the country Mm-hmm. And Daniel also claimed that the killer would be arrested in December 1993. Now, they're killed in August. It goes cold for two months. That's September, October. And he's saying, oh, in December, they're going to find him. And everybody's like, really? Because they have no leads whatsoever. So cut to 19-year-old Joseph Shadow Clark. He fits every one of Daniel Brinkley's description. Joseph Shadow Clark was 19 years old, so he was young. He had a slight build. The Boscos had bought their home and property recently from Joseph's parents. So they're living in the house that Joseph grew up in. Mm-hmm. So he's familiar with the layout of the house. He had recently left Montana to go to a small Christian school in Oregon, which is to the west. And Joseph was arrested in December of 1993. Oh. 
So, so they literally all fit. Joseph had told friends about committing the murders in his former home, and it was his friends that reported it to the campus authorities in Oregon. So he's telling, you know how we talked about serial killers can't keep quiet? Yeah. He tells his friends, his friends tell the campus police, the campus security chief contacted a Flathead Oregon police station with the information. A detective with Flathead named Michael Sward connected the information to the Open Bosco murders. He puts two and two together. So people who had known Joseph claimed that he was the last person they would have picked out to be a murderer. Always. Always. Always the last guy. He was active in church, a bright student at Big Fork High School and George Fox College, and he was a Royal Ranger. He had, What's a Royal Ranger? I don't know. I actually was going to look it up, but I decided not to. And wouldn't you know that you asked? <laughs> <laughs> he had no criminal record. Joseph Shadow Clark told police that he gave the murder weapon, a 9mm Smith & Wesson, to a friend in a different city. The friend, who was not implicated in the crime... Mm -hmm. Surrendered the gun to police without incident on December 8, 1993. Joseph had bought the gun earlier in the summer. The ballistics on the surrendered gun matched those left at the scene. Ooh. It really was his. Okay. So, Joseph Clark claims not to remember shutting off the power or cutting the phone line. He said it was probable that he did that. So he's like, I don't remember, but I probably did that. Yeah, yeah which we know yeah. is guilty. He also said he didn't remember going up to the second floor, but he did recall standing in the doorway of the Bosco's bedroom. So I was like, no. John Bosco first was first killed by Joseph. Joseph shot him in the forehead. Joseph heard a noise from Nancy's side of the bed, and he assumed that she was cocking a gun, is what he said. But in reality, Nancy was putting her glasses on, and she had knocked over the phone off the nightstand when she did it. She, you know, she just like frantically reached over her, for her glasses, knocks the phone off, and puts her glasses on. Joseph heard her scream. Joseph then said he shot three times in her direction. One of the two bullets that hit Nancy went into her back, hitting her ribs, lung, and shoulder blade, coming to rest in her left shoulder. The second one went into her jaw before ricocheting out of Nancy's eye, breaking her eyeglasses. Oh. I know. It was determined this happened while she was crouched as if in fetal position. Nancy also had fresh bruises on her right calf and left thigh. Since both, since I wrote, since both couples, there's one couple. It's just both okay. people. I both just, apparently people. I couldn't decide if it was a couple <laughs> or both people. Since both people were naked and Nancy had bruises, sexual abuse was suspect, uh, suspected. DNA samples were taken from both bodies. It was determined that the single semen samples from Nancy did not match Joseph Shadow Clark, and they do talk about how the Boscos were actually trying to make a baby, so they oh. think that was from the husband. The Clarks and Boscos both tried to guess over the motivation for the killing. There was some tension between the two families as the Boscos had bought a house, the house they're living in, and a business property from the Clarks. Bosco then found that the business property had been denied its commercial license, so he can't even use it as a business. And Bosco also claimed to have spent thousands of dollars on the business's structure, like its physical structure, due to damage and neglect. So the building was run down and he had to spend all this money. Joseph told investigators that he had recurring nightmares for almost a month in which he kept breaking into the Bosco home. The nightmare came to him every night before jo Joseph murdered the couple. After the murder, Joseph claimed he wasn't sure if he actually murdered the couple or if it was just a continuance of his dream. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Yeah, funny how that works. So no motive was ever given by Joseph Shadow Clark, which his attorneys believe led him to having a really heavy sentence. Joseph repeatedly said he had no grudge against the couple and he didn't know why he did it. He downplayed the seriousness of the charges, calling them 
a little thing and a mistake he shouldn't be condemned for. Like, it was a mistake he shouldn't condemn me for it. Like, yeah, I just yeah. shot two people, but it's okay. Yeah. And so Joseph Clark was sentenced to 220 years. So you wow. can see that they were pissed. Which was later, later reduced to 150. I'm like, oh, that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And he went to jail at age 19 and isn't available for parole until he turns 60 years old. Wow. So intrigued by the use of an accurate psychic, Unsolved Mysteries aired the episode, which include the murders, in October of 1994. So almost a full year later. I do have the um, Unsolved Media wiki page that talks about this. Mm-hmm. But I could not find the episode on YouTube, and you even, like, suggested different ways for me to look. I even found, like, what season. I could not find it. Wow. And, but after I had written this article, I was listening to this podcast called My Favorite Murder, and they do hometown murders in which people email them, you know, stories of a murder in their area. And this girl was at school with Joseph Shadow Clark after he murdered the couple, and he used to visit her and her roommate, and she was there when the FBI came Whoa. to get him. And he, as soon as she starts to describe him, I'm like, oh, my God, I just wrote an article on that guy. And sure enough, she's like, his middle name was Shadow. I'm like, oh, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. So there's an accurate psychic. I know that's not your thing. It was luck. Yeah. <laughs> probably heard the kid talking about it. Right. <laughs> I looked up Royal Rangers is an adventure-based, merit-driven, faith-based okay. church ministry and mentoring program for boys in grades K through 12. So like Boy Scouts for Christian yeah, super maybe. Christians? Okay. Yeah. So they said adventuring. Yeah, that's adventuring. All right, what you got, girl? So. Yeah. On February 1st. Yeah. Of this year. My favorite day of the year. Yep, because it's your birthday. Because it's my birthday. Ooh. Okay, so, so I went to the doctor on my birthday, and uh-huh. he said to me, because um, I just heard like a general check up and he said to me so do you have any health concerns i was like i just turned 44 isn't that concerning <laughs> he just looked at me like why do i put up with you <laughs> oh and see your alzheimer's kicked in that evening when you talked to me yeah so you missed your doctor's appointment so you have to talk to it next, about it next year you'd be like the alzheimer's You're, has come back yeah no actually i'm really for, i've always been really forgetful and i think i think it's supposed to be my add but whatever i already forgot so on february 1st of this year 2019 at around 6 45 at the texas roadhouse on party p-a-r-d-e-e road in taylor yeah an employee stabbed their co-worker it is said that the two employees got into an argument in the kitchen of the restaurant the employee was taken into custody and the co-worker who was stabbed was transported to the hospital, and it is reported they suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Oh, few. But they have not released. I mean, their names it just happened. So yeah, it looked, yeah, I was gonna say yeah, it just happened. <laughs> yeah, so I have to watch that one. Yeah. Um, but so I was looking at that, reading the articles on the Texas Roadhouse, and then it led me to another um, killing what's called a planned killing spree which happened in taylor michigan and pontiac michigan on february 1st 2018 your birthday is a murderous day yeah yeah i read this fact that something like 33 people die on your birthday when i was like what (laughs) yeah and a lot of them happened in taylor right so Vernest Griffin, a former employee of BSD Line Hall Company in Taylor, Michigan, went to the business on February 1st and killed an employee, Keith Kitchen. Dang. He then went 
up to a semi driver in the parking lot of the business, okay. forced him out, and drove off with his semi. What? Okay, so now he's driving around in a semi. He drove to an aluminum blanking company and shot Herberto Perez in the back multiple times through an open window. No way. Okay. So this is like another former co-worker or something? I don't know okay. who that I couldn't. Why he picked Alberto? Yeah. Okay. But obviously he knew him. Oh, yeah. You know, it was intentional, so. He then got back into the truck and drove to a short trucking company in Waterford, Michigan, asked for an employee, unknown okay. who that was, and when he wasn't there, the guy left. So he gets back into the semi, now he's driving again. So good thing he doesn't just start shooting people because he can't find the right one. Correct. There is always a silver lining, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He continued to drive. At some point, he stopped, got out of the semi, and engaged in gunfire with the police. And then got back into the semi and drove off. Oh, okay? my God. His balls were so big they could yeah. probably hear him clanking all the way back at the, cruise, at the yeah. police cruisers. Like, clink, 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 yeah. clink, as he got out of the truck. Yeah. So a little later on. He gets into a car crash on Dixie Highway, injures two young women, gets out of the semi, and engages again in, in a shootout with the police. He was struck by gunfire, arrested, and transported to the hospital. He actually, like, went into a, a short coma. And came out, it looks like. Yeah, came oh, out. yeah, he did come out. Right. The Oakland County Sheriff's Office stated this was a planned killing spree as the suspect knew exactly where he was going he had an AK-47 with multiple magazines. It was also reported this man went to the business in Taylor, Michigan in November 2018 with a gun threatening to shoot employees, but no shots were ever fired at that time. So this is not his first time raging at co-workers? No. Well, and Vernus had just been recently released on bond after being arrested for assault with a deadly weapon and felony firearm in December 2017. Dang. In July 2018, his trial was to begin, but couldn't find anything on the internet. Okay. Like, was he charged? Right. Was he not? And interesting, I went on the Otis, what, Michigan Otis website, and yeah. I couldn't find him there either. Huh. Maybe they don't get there on Otis until they're sentenced. I guess, but wouldn't okay. you already be, if your the... court date was going to July of 2018, now it's Jan or February 2019, yeah. you would think something has happened since then, right? I would think so, because one you of our think. amendments says we have the right to a speedy trial. Because a murder I'm going to talk about later, a guy got off because his lawyers were able to argue he did not have a speedy trial, and it was against his constitutional well, right. how many days is a speedy trial? I don't know how they determine that. I, see, I wanted to look well, that yeah, up before I do that thing. Look at, yeah. I mean, what is it, like 10 days, 20 days? Some of these people can be in jail forever. This one guy was in jail recently. I just saw that they, they paid him a million dollars or something, but he was in jail like 38 years. I'm sorry. He murdered somebody? No. He was never fully convicted so of anything. So he was never fully convicted of anything, but he was there for a murder trial? No. What was he there for? Well, whatever it was, he hadn't done it. He was never charged with anything, so he wasn't there for anything. So they put him in jail. He's, of course, uh, he, this is 38 years ago. Don't he have to be charged ago. with something? Why do you think he got a million dollars? This is 38 years ago, so this is the, what, the late 70s, early 80s? He's a black man in the South. 
Yeah, he didn't do anything. He was innocent. Oh. They put him in jail and he was there for 38 years. Now, how did he get in there for 38 years and nobody could find him to let him out? Maybe, I don't know what well, they did to him. they didn't have good computer systems back then. Well, some, not all prisoners are allowed computers. No, I'm saying the computer system of the jail didn't realize he was there. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> no one could find him. Yes. Actually, I want to do one on that story that I brought it up. I probably should. Well, yeah, now you have to. I'm going to. Well, Don't I worry. just need to know how many days was a speedy trial. Um, I'm going to say less than 38 years, but I'm definitely going to look that okay. up. <laughs> You've been listening to Michigan and Other Mayhem with Allie. And Jen. Contact us at michiganandothermayhem.com to join the conversation, listen to the podcast, access show notes, find site links, correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Anchor, and YouTube. Bye-bye now.